Hello, welcome to today's edition of the Sowing and Reaping Audio Podcast. This is Brother Walter Terrell thanking you so much for joining in today. Today is Monday, February the 8th, 2021. And let me go ahead and say I am so grateful and thankful for all the outpouring of, of love and support that you guys have shown me in the past week, ever since my last podcast aired with my life story from The Unshackled. And uh, if you have not heard that yet, you can go back and listen to it on my podcast uh, the week of uh, the last last week of February the 1st, I believe it was. And uh, you can go back and listen to that. It's my life story in dramatized form. And if you have listened to it, thank you so much for listening. Uh, my phone has rang off the hook uh, or you know, had notifications constantly uh, all weekend, just about all throughout the week. And I do thank God for that. And, and it's all to glorify God. It's not to upbuild Brother Walter. It's not to uh, uh, uplift my name, but it's to uplift the name of the Lord. And that's what it's all about. Well, today, I told you guys on last broadcast that um, I was going to uh, pick up where I left off week before last. Uh, the week before last, just to give you a recap, I, I did a broadcast out of Romans chapter number 13. And I talked to you about the believer's secular duty. And, you know, as a child of God, we do have a secular duty. And that duty is, of course, you know, to obey uh, what God has written in Romans 13. I know we may not always agree uh, with the authorities that we have in our life, but we are to still pray for them. And, um, you know, whether we like them or not, because God is still in control. Amen. He knows exactly what's going on. Way He knew exactly what was going to happen way before you and I ever existed. We're nothing outside of the grace of Almighty God. And so he knew what was going to happen in 2021 long before we even were an afterthought. Amen. <laughs> but uh, today I want to look at the latter part of Romans chapter 13 and finish uh, where we start, uh, started two weeks ago. We left off in Romans 13 uh, uh, verse number 10. But today I want to pick up and finish reading the rest of the chapter, and I want to talk to you about the believer's spiritual duty. Now, the Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, talks about the believer's secular duty. Now we're going to get into the believer's spiritual duty, okay? So verse number 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, and as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And may God add his blessings to the reading of Romans chapter number 13, verse number 11, down through verse number 14. Having begun this chapter uh, talking about the duty of the believer to the respect and submit to the government, we now find that the Apostle Paul turns his attention to the believer's duty as he lives out his daily life. Now, while government passes laws that are designed to protect and control society, the Christian has a duty to live out the life of Christ as he passes through this world. That is to say, uh, or that is the emphasis of these verses that I just read to you. If you were observant as we read the text, you notice that Paul uses the language of haste and of urgency. He is telling us that the duties mentioned here are not to be put off for another day, but are to be carried out every day as the believer lives his or her life here in this world. And so today, with that being said, I want to take a few minutes to consider the subject, the believer's spiritual duty. Now, you may find that you're doing 
uh, you did well, and that's good. However, you might come to see that there are certain areas in your life and in mine that need attention. And so with that being said, let's look at the believer's spiritual duty. Back in verse number 11, we find our duty to watch diligently. Our duty to watch diligently in verse number 11. And now, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You see, we are to watch the seasons here. The word time refers to a season of time. The whole verse has to do with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for his people. And I truly believe, my friend, the return of the Lord is quickly coming. Amen? I believe it. But the idea here is that the believer is to keep his eyes on the changing world around him and understanding that the coming of the Lord is very near. We are to pay close attention to what currently is happening. And sadly, though, many believers cruise lazily through life, not even considering the fact that Jesus might return at any given moment. They don't consider the time. They don't consider what's going on in the world. They just think it's another happening of the world and we are to just live our daily lives. But friend of mine, we better pay attention. Be very well aware of our surroundings. Now, let me say this before I go any further. Don't keep your nose stuck into uh, the news channels, all right? I don't care if it's Fox or CNN or whoever. Don't keep your nose stuck in the news channels. Keep your nose stuck in the Bible, amen? But we are to keep our eyes on the Middle East. We should keep our eyes on the nation of Israel. And friend of mine, I'm telling you, things are falling right into place for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church. Now, not the not the second coming of, the, of Jesus, but the rapture of the church, rather. But uh, yet, let me say this. All one has to do is cross-reference the daily news with the Word of God to see that His coming is very near. Therefore, the advice that Jesus gave in Matthew is still good advice for us today. And you can read Matthew chapter number 24, verses 42 through 44 at your leisure. Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard somebody say this one time. They said every morning when they get up, they turn on the news for about 30 minutes, and then that's it. They don't look at it for the rest of the day because they, they take about 30 minutes of news, and then after that, they look into the Word of God and spend uh, a good amount of time there. And um, while I was telling you that, I went ahead and turned to Matthew chapter number 24. Now, I want to read that to you, verses number 42 through 44. The Bible says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Amen. So we better be paying attention. We are to watch diligently. That's to believe your secular duty. We are to watch for the seasons. We are to watch for sleep. Again, he says, now it's high time to wake out of sleep. The Apostle Paul tells it that the time for slumber has long passed. The word high time means that a specific hour has now arrived. Too many of the people of God are sleeping on the job, amen, uh, living their lives as they please without any thought for the will of God or the return of Jesus. And sleep is defined as a state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsive to the events taking place. In other words, the sleeping person is out of touch with the events that surround them while he sleeps, amen. And I can testify to that because I like to sleep, amen. I don't know about you, but I sure do. Sleep is great. Sleep is good. But there's a time we shouldn't be sleeping. Amen. And while it may be fine to doze through the ball game or to get a good night's sleep, there is no excuse for being asleep to the things of God. However, many people in the church today are in a state of inactivity when it comes to the things of Almighty God, and that should not be. And may the Lord find you and I watching when he comes. May he find us awake when he returns. Amen. Not only should we watch for... Uh, um, 
Not only should we watch for the seasons or watch for sleep, also we should watch for the Savior. The Apostle Paul tells us that our salvation is nearer than when we believed. As you know, there are three stages to salvation. We're saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Let me say that again. Three stages of salvation. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. At the moment of conversion, we were saved from the penalty of sin. Thank God, friend. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. Amen. Hot dog and hallelujah there. We are being saved daily from the power of sin. Thank God sin does not have dominion over me. And we will be saved eventually from the very presence of sin. Thank God when y'all get to heaven, when we all get to heaven, heaven is going to be free of sin. Hey, man. And uh, our salvation is fully accomplished, but it's being worked out daily in our lives. One day when Jesus returns for his people, we will experience the complete effects of our salvation. And what Paul means is that every day we pitch our tent one step closer to glory. Amen. He merely wants to remind us that Jesus is nearer today than he was yesterday. Let me ask you a question. Are you living your life in the anticipation of his soon return? If not, why not? In the believer's spiritual duty, we find ourselves our duty to watch diligently. In the believer's spiritual duty, verse number 12, we also find our duty to war diligently. Our duty to war diligently. The Bible says the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Here we find a time of crisis. Paul is telling us that the time to sleep has well passed. Now is time to become active in the business of God. His words remind us that there is an urgency to the things of God. Every day, people are dying without the Lord and going to hell. Every day, the forces of evil are growing stronger and stronger and working harder than ever before in the world. There is a tremendous need today for believers everywhere to wake up from their slumber and to recognize the seriousness and, late and lateness of the hour and to get busy serving the Lord with all their might. Friend of mine, if you plan on telling your neighbors about Jesus, the time is now. If you're going to tell your family about Jesus, now is the time. If you're going to work, do a work for the Lord, friend, now is the time. If you're going to do God's will, whether it be preaching, teaching, so winning, now is the time. Amen. May we recognize the crisis of the hour and dedicate ourselves to being all that God wants us to be in these days. Now, another thought that is contained in this verse is that the reign of darkness on this earth is growing ever nearer its destined end. And so since the devil knows that his time is short, uh, of course, you can read Revelation 12, 12, he is pulling out the stops in our day, every day. Very soon, the darkness of sin that has fallen over this world, like a veil will be lifted and the glorious dawn of a new day will come. And that will be the day when Jesus himself will rule and reign in righteousness and in glory. And friend of mine, that is a time of crisis. Not only do we see a time of crisis, but also in this verse, we see a time of commitment. The idea of this verse is of a man rising from sleep, throwing off the bed covers and his night clothes and getting himself dressed for the day. And since the Apostle Paul uses the word armor, we can say that he is speaking of a new recruit who shows up for duty in the military. Once there, he is stripped of his civilian clothes, and now he's dressed up in the uniform of the military. It is a change that will last as long as he serves. Amen. And for us, the imagery is perfect. It speaks of the believer forever laying aside the ways of the old life and dressing up once for all in the ways of the new life in Jesus. 
This is an idea that is echoed several times in the epistles of the Apostle Paul. God's idea of the Christian life is one of total commitment and dedication. However, most Christians see the Christian life as one of compromises. They honor God over here while doing as they please over there. That cannot be, my friend. God's command is for our total commitment once and for all. Let me ask you today, have you done that? Are you even willing to do that? It is our spiritual duty to war diligently. Not only uh, is it our spiritual duty to uh, watch diligently or war diligently, but in verse number 13, we find ourselves, our duty is to walk diligently. Verse number 13 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riotous or drunkenness, not in chambering or and wantonness, not in strife and envy. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, the preceding ideas carries over into this verse. The Apostle Paul calls upon the believer to exhibit the right kind of walk in his everyday life. And in that everyday life, we should show a decent walk. The phrase walk honestly means to behave properly. That is, we are to live in an outward life that is consistent with who we are on the inside. There should be no pretense in our lives. If we say we're saved, we should live as though we are saved and act like it. Amen. We are to be sure that our practice matches our profession. Now, I'm convinced that the reason so many people today have such a hard time staying clean and living for God is because it could be they'd never been saved to begin with. With the new birth comes a desire, a new desire to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, a life that is honest, a life that is a living sacrifice to his glory in the world, amen, which is holy and acceptable unto God as a reasonable service. So let me ask you a question. Does your walk match your talk? He uses the phrase as in the day. That is, there should be nothing hidden about our lives. We should be, my friend, we should be like, um, we should... We should be uh, uh, like an open book to all who look at us and see us how we live. Nothing hypocritical, nothing hidden, just a life that is open, honest, and pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> Let me ask you, does that describe the life you're living today? We should shun a devilish walk as well. Not only should we um, walk a decent walk, but we also should shun a devilish walk. After telling how we should live, the Apostle Paul turns his attention to how we should not live. He mentioned six sins of the flesh that were no doubt prevalent in his day. These six sins are also prevalent in our day as well. Let's look at them for just a moment. He talks about rioting. That refers to wild parties, sexual uh, orgies, brawling, and things of that nature. Drunkenness refers to the habitual and intentional intoxications. That could speak of alcohol or drug abuse. And it's interesting to note that the New Testament usually speaks of drunkenness and rioting together, all at the same time, because those two go hand in hand. Uh, he talks about chambering. This word comes from a word that actually means to go to bed with someone. It refers to sexual activities that are engaged in outside of the marriage relationship. It is a work of the flesh and it is a work of sin. Whether it be fornication, which is any sexual activity before marriage, adultery, which is any sexual activity after marriage with someone who's not your spouse, it is a sin. Amen. It does not matter whether or not society condones it or condemns it. God does not condone it. Amen. He doesn't. It is a sad statement of the condition of the professing church when sexual activity that has been forbidden by God is as prevalent in the church as it is in the world. And he also talks about wantonness. 
The word is tied to the previous word, and it refers to unbridled, uninhibited sexual desire and activity. It speaks against the casual attitudes uh, that society holds concerning sex, where every form of sexual expression is indulged in and encouraged. You know, the Apostle Paul, he really, he really nails uh, sexual sins to the wall right here in this verse. Then he talks about strife. The word refers to a mindset that seeks its own way first and foremost without regard for the cost of others. It speaks of selfishness. It speaks of doing things my way. It speaks of those people who are constantly bickering, engaged in competitive antagonism and petty disagreements. It speaks of people who are just all out mean, amen, meaner than a junkyard dog, or as grandma used to say, meaner than a striped snake. <laughs> Always looking for a fight, walking around with an attitude or a chip on their shoulder. And the world and suddenly the church is filled with these kind of people. They sure are. He also talks about envy. The word envy here refers to a spirit of jealousy. Friend, this is an attitude of me first and everyone else afterwards. It's an attitude of the heart that seeks everything self wants without concern for the impact upon the lives of others. And jealousy is a green-eyed monster, my friend, that will take you down a long road and the wrong road. Amen? It sure will. So let me ask you, are there any of these things active in your life? If so, there is a remedy. Amen? There is a remedy. I thank God there's a remedy. It's called confession and repentance. Well, as we continue to look at the believer's uh, spiritual duty, the last thing we see today, we've done seen already in the believer's spiritual duty, we've done seen our duty to walk, uh, to watch diligently, our duty to war diligently, our duty to walk diligently. But last of all today, we find verse number 14, our duty to wait diligently. Verse 14 says, But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Our duty to wait diligently. Well, we are to wait properly dressed. The Apostle Paul tells us that we're, while we are waiting in this world for the Lord to return, we should be careful that we act the right way. He tells us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, we were placed in Jesus the moment we got saved. Amen? We were. But here he's talking about that we are to clothe ourselves in all that Jesus is. We are to adopt his character as our character. We are to adopt his lifestyle as our lifestyle. He is truth and we are to walk in truth. He is light and we are to walk in light. We are living in dark days, but the darker the night, the brighter the light. Amen. And uh, he is faithful and so we are to be faithful. He's holy and so we are to be holy. He loves the Father, so are we to love the Father. He walked in total obedience to God. We are to walk in total obedience to God. The idea is encapsulated by John chapter number 1, uh, or 1 John 2, 6 rather. The Bible says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. The idea here is a progression toward perfection. Now, no, we're not perfect. We won't be perfect till we get to heaven. But the idea is having a progress towards it. God is in the business of growing saints, is he not? He certainly is. He is seeking to reproduce the life of his son in each and every one of us. Therefore, until he comes, let you and I determine that we will live Christ-like in front of a hell-bound world. So our duty to wait diligently is to wait properly dressed. We also are to wait properly disengaged. We are told to make not provisions for the flesh. The word provision means forethought or planning. The idea is this, 
We are to avoid any and all attempts by the mind to allow for the fulfilling of fleshly lust. We are guilty of assuming that sin begins with the devil, and he thinks it up, and he tempts us with it, and that does occur occasionally, but more often than not, sin begins a little bit closer to home. Let me read it to you in the book of James. Let me see how I can find it uh, real quickly. The book of James chapter number 1. And uh, the reason I want to read it to you because I don't want to give you something and you might say, well, that's just your opinion. No, I want to give you what God says, amen, because uh, God's word is far above my opinion and yours. Uh, God's word is what matters. And so James chapter number 1 and verse number um, 14 and 15, we find this. Uh, The Bible says here, James chapter 1 verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. And so, as long as we live in the world, my friend, there will be within of each of each one, every one of us, a pull toward the things of the world. However, we do not have to fall into any of that temptation. We're going to sin, but we don't have to. We don't have to. We're going to be tempted, but we don't have to yield to that temptation. Romans six fourteen says it like this: For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law. You're under grace. Amen. Thank God for grace. When you and I allow our minds, our hearts, our wills, and our emotions to rule our lives, they will make provision for the flesh because they are still heavily influenced by the flesh and by its wicked desires. However, when we allow the Spirit of God to control our thinking, we will not do what the flesh wants, but we will do what the Spirit wants. Amen. Galatians 5.16 puts it like this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The whole idea here is that we are to control the mind, the heart, and the will, and the emotions so that they are under the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. We are to give no thought to the desires of the flesh. Sounds tough, I know, but the Spirit of God is able to give us the victory in this warfare. 1 John 4.4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. That's one of my favorite verses right there. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And also, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times we'll stand up and sing victory in Jesus with our lip, dragging the carpet when we come in church. We don't have the victory. You don't have the victory. Why even sing it? Amen. Friend of mine, listen, uh, the flesh will, will take you down if we let it, but it is our duty, it's the believer's secular, I mean spiritual duty, to walk and to wait diligently. So in closing today, let me say this. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing your spiritual duty? Or has the Spirit of God placed His finger on some area or the other uh area that needs immediate attention in your life and so then i recommend you take it to jesus if he's calling you then you should talk to him about it it's our duty as a body of born-again believers to watch diligently watch for what the return of the lord jesus christ it's our duty as a body of born-again believers our spiritual duty to war diligently it's our spiritual duty to walk diligently and it is our spiritual duty my friend to wait diligently so there you have it romans chapter 13 uh, that's one of my favorite verses especially our favorite chapters especially here as of late with everything that's going on in the world 
And I thank God is that um, He showed me a few things and and He spoke to my heart and He's helped me. Now I pray and help that this that this uh, uh, message and this lesson, whatever you want to call it, has been a help and a blessing to you. Again, I want to thank you for listening and tuning in today. This has been Brother Walter Terrell with the Sowing and Reaping audio podcast, and I hope that wherever you may be listening today, I hope you have a good rest of your day or night just on purpose.